You are listening to the Torah Sparks Podcast, the podcast that finds and ignites sparks of spiritual light and meaning in anything and everything, bringing out lessons and values straight from the Holy Torah. I am your host, Ori Strum. Let's jump right in. And we're back. Welcome to another episode of the Torah Sparks Podcast. I got to tell you something. I was driving to Shul um, one morning this week. It may or may not have been today. Okay, it was. And some lady cut me off. My knee-jerk reaction was one of shock and anger. But then I quickly reframed and told myself to cut it out. This was a test from Hashem. Cut action. I am being filmed, watched, and tested to see how I react and perform. Now let us cut to the chase. The Torah in this week's parsha tells us, The brothers of Yosef are in a place called Dasan. Yaakov Vinu tells Yosef to go to the brothers where the brothers are busy pasturing their cattle. Yosef, of course, heeds to the wishes of his father and he makes his way over to this place, Dasan. Unfortunately, we know what ends up happening. The, bro- the brothers almost kill Yosef. They throw him into a pit filled with snakes and scorpions and ultimately go on to sell him to random passerbys. But before all of these things happen, when Yosef is en route towards the brothers and is then approaching, the brothers say something very interesting. They say, Behold, the dreamer is coming. You know, they have to say, behold. That's like a... It's like a classic biblical word. We should start using that word more often. Um, if you be so kind, maybe we'll sign a petition or something like that, um, that you have to at least use the word behold once a day. Um, okay, fine. But the brothers say, he Behold, the dreamer is coming. Perhaps on some level, we can see a glimpse into the grave mistake of the brothers. On their extremely lofty level, perhaps we can suggest that the brothers did not fully see Hashem in the picture. They said, Baal HaChalomos. If we dissect this phrase, we can maybe, just maybe see what their mistake was. You know, Baal means an owner. It's a reference to the one in charge. A boss, Right? Let us ask a question. Who exactly, who exactly was the Baal of the dreams of Yosef? So yes, Yosef had the dreams. but And yes, Yosef was the man who experienced those particular dreams. But was Yosef the true Baal, the true owner, the one who had true Baalos over that dream? Was he the one coming up and creating these dreams? Was he programming his brain to have these mysterious dreams at night? Of course not. It was Hashem who was orchestrating all of Yosef's dreams, and anybody's dreams for that matter. It was Hashem who made Yosef have these dreams, and it was Hashem who was the true Baal HaChalomos, not Yosef, who was a mere messenger of Hashem. So perhaps on their level, the brothers should have been more aware of the true reality of this situation. This wasn't about Yosef having evil plots and schemes. It was about Hashem having great plans and methods in orchestrating that which needs to happen, perhaps sometimes for reasons unknown. The brothers should have attributed what was going on to Hashem and not 
to simple Yosef. You know, it's interesting to point out Arashi in verse Chaf 20, the very next Pasa tells us, Right, it says, then we shall see what becomes of his dreams. And the Medrash, as quoted by Rashi, understands that Hashem said these words in response to the, the plan of the brothers. In other words, you say, the brothers say, let us slay him. But I, Hashem, says, we will see whose plan will prevail, yours or mine. And we clearly see from this Rashi that the dreams of Yosef were Hashem's, they were Shali, they belonged to Hashem. The true Baal HaChalomos was Hashem, not Yosef. The brothers were wrong on their level. When they said, Behold, the dreamer is coming, they were attributing it and referring it to simple Yosef, forgetting the fact that the true Baal HaChalomos, the true one in charge, the true boss of the dreams, was God Almighty, was Hashem. You know, too often we're in a situation and we take all kinds of mental shortcuts that literally block out Hashem from the picture. If someone steps on your toe, it's easy to take a mental shortcut and attribute all of your pain to this person. And as such, you deem him necessary of punishment. You slap him back, you yell at him back or whatever, you have feelings of hatred back at him. Anger is all about taking mental shortcuts, which allows us to react so quickly to situations without having a chance to bring Hashem into the picture. You know, the Bali Musr tell us such a simple yet profound way to overcome anger. Maybe I shouldn't say overcome, but to avoid, to to challenge yourself to not become angry. And that is to not react in the moment, but to pause, delay. So tell yourself, okay, I'm going to get angry, just not right now. Or something. That, that's, that's one approach. But give yourself a minute. Don't take mental shortcuts. Any time in life that we take mental shortcuts and right away we jump to conclusions and we deem this person, that person, this situation, and we write them off, we're failing to go to the ultimate balachalomos. We're, we're cutting to the chase. We're, 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 we're taking these mental shortcuts and we're failing to realize that there's somebody in charge. There's somebody who's saying, you know, this person, yeah, she drove and yes, she was in the wrong. She cut me off. But now instead of getting mad and it's, what am I going to, what is my anger going to do? Is that actually going to affect her? Am I going to get back at that lady who cut me off? I mean, no, nothing's happening to her. It's it's all me. The anger is only affecting, it's affecting me. So think about it. Is it really worth it? So yes, she cut me off, but now I have to realize, wait a second. Cut action. Hashem is filming, watching, and testing me. How am I going to act, react in this situation? So instead of boiling up my blood and, and getting all upset, let me just pause. Let me take a moment. Let me just breathe for a second and realize that she's not the instigator. It's Hashem is setting this up. He's challenging me with this situation. He's the true Baal HaChalomos. He's the true boss of whatever circumstance, whatever person I meet, I encounter, whatever situation I experience. It's not per- that ex- It doesn't end at that experience or that person. It goes, there's a trace. You trace it back, and it's the true Baal HaChalomos. It's Hashem. 
So let us, you know, the next time that, you know, we feel like we want to just jump and get upset, get angry, just take a step for a moment, cut, realize that Hashem, cut action, you're being filmed, you're being watched, you're being tested, um, don't yell, don't get so angry right in the moment, brief, take a moment um, to think about it, and I think it's a, a, a effective way to overcome and to fight uh, this natural inclination that we call anger. Um, and, you know, this coming week, the Sunday night, will be the first night of Hanukkah. Hanukkah is one of those, so, such a relatable, as Fasemis says, it's karov to us. There is something so relatable about the holiday, <coughs> excuse me, of Hanukkah. Um, you know, it's we, we live in a, a dark world. Um, there's it, it, we're in we're in Gullus and and lighting the Hanukkah licht. There's something very um, relevant about it. You know, think about a lot of the mitzvahs that we do. Shofar is beautiful and nice, but there's something esoteric about it, like blowing a shofar. Think about a lulav. We do it. We do it with great hiddur and passion. But there's something very esoteric about it. I mean, the Arba Ruchos, there's something, we eat matzah and marah and, and a lot of the mitzvahs over the Yom Tovim, we do them with passion and fervor when we learn about them, but a lot of them are very, they're like lofty. And but when Chazal tell us, the rabbis, the sages, they tell us, we light the Hanukkah candles, we're dispelling darkness. There's something very meaningful, easy to understand, and relatable about that. And that's because when you light a flame, you know what happens? You dispel darkness. It's right before your eyes. It's it's such a it's such a relatable thing. So yes, there are esoteric and lofty things happening in the holy spheres when you light Hanukkah. Lech. That's that's for sure. But from the practical sense, when you light that candle in the darkest in the darkness of the night, and it, it it shines through. It shines. You could see the candles through people's windows. There's something very real and relatable about that. The world of today is filled with a lot of um, anger. A lot of people taking mental shortcuts, uh, jumping to conclusions, cancel culture, uh, victimhood, people canceling each other, people canceling themselves. Uh, let us be reminded as we approach the holiday of Hanukkah, of that spark, of that flame, that light, um, which reminds us of our true neshama, our true essence, of the true source, ultimately going back um, to the true Baal HaChalomus, the true Baal, that there's a king, that there's a purpose, that there's a Kodesh Baruch that there's a God Almighty in this world who has a reason for us to be here in existence, and we're part of that, um, and we want to connect not with the darkness that's out there, um, not with all that madness and anger and confusion but with the light and the beauty and the splendor and the avra and the simcha that's what we want to try to get to so let us do that let us strive let us grow um, if you haven't got any uh, birth I'm not a birthday present if you haven't got a birthday you get a birthday present pick up a copy of your ready to grow um, or let me know um, I can send you a signed copy That's a wrap, everybody, for today. Thank you very much for tuning in to the And with that, an amazing shamus. And hopefully, the next time uh, we get back on the